Hello and welcome all of my artists, writers, performers, filmmakers, and creators of all kinds. This is Raven's Fine Art. My name is Raven. And today we're going to be talking about the fifth of the seven Da Vincian principles of genius. The subject today is Arte Scienza, the balance between art and science. So our definition of Arte Scienza is the development of the balance between science and art, logic and imagination. In other words, whole brain thinking. So how left brain are you versus right brain? We're going to talk about that and other things today, so stay tuned. All right, so before getting into today's topic, I want to be cognizant and aware of the social environment that's going on. Um, I know a lot of people are upset about the recent verdict. I really feel bad and sad about the phenomenon that we have in America of people being gunned down in the street, whether it's by law enforcement or private citizens. I just wanted to offer up a prayer that we move towards a civilization that is indeed civilized, where every human being um, has the right to a trial, where there is no legal sanctioning of murder. And so I just wanna offer up this prayer real quick just to get it off the chest, off my chest and out of the way. So great spirit, thank you so much that we live in a nation that is free, that our laws are designed for every human being to have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I pray for a core group of people around the world who stand up for justice, civility, rationality and humanity. I pray that the good people of the world find their voice, find their courage, and step forward to make this world into a more loving and reasonable, rational, civilized place to live. I pray especially for all of the artists out there who are the vanguards and the forerunners of truth and of beauty, and I pray that all artists within the sound of my voice, find their courage to speak out in their craft, in their work for a more beautiful and civilized humanity. Thank you, Great Spirit, for everyone who is listening and for the beauty and wonder of life. Amen. All right, so now that we've got our foundation Let's move forward and talk about the fifth of the seven Da Vincian principles of genius. So we are closing in on the finish line. So arte scienza, as I read the definition earlier, the balance between our left and our right brain thinking. So Leonardo da Vinci is a wonderful example of an artist who definitely Gene, in a genius level, held both the left brain and the right brain in balance. I mean, he started off, you know, studying nature, studying plants, and not just studying them, but I mean, taking it apart, knowing everything about them, so that when he would draw, his drawings were not just from his emotions, although that is a key component, and he had that too, but he knew his subject matter. He knew 
botanical um, realities. He knew art physiognomy. He knew human physiology and anatomy. He knew it all. And it was important to him to have that balance between emotion and um, science. So I wanted to read um, a quote from the book. This is page 166 of the book that we are going through, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, Seven Steps to Genius Every Day by Michael J. Gelb. So on page 166, the text says, Leonardo emphasized, for example, that the ability of the artist to express the beauty of the human form is predicated on a profound study of the science of anatomy. He also noted, be sure you know the structure of all you wish to depict. Now this is very important because all art, whether you're talking about fine art, commercial art, dance, performance, filmmaking, writing, all of it has the balance of the science and the art of it. So with writing, for example, you have the grammar, you have sentence structure, you have um, the knowledge of how paragraphs flow, etc. And of course, you can't only have that or else all you have is an essay to turn in from school. <laughs> I mean, we, we all did those. Those were not inspired, um, usually, nor were they um, something that we remember or talk about years later. So there has to be this balance between the left and the right brain. And the way Leonardo da Vinci approached his art was from that perspective that in order to be true to your art, you had to know your subject and you had to know craft. And one of the, I think, the keen um, arguments in favor of life drawing, drawing from life, is this notion of knowing your subject. Now, most artists today draw from pictures because it's just simply more convenient and pictures and images are so abundant in our society. Um, but all fine art teachers really stress drawing from life, even though most of them don't do it because of the reasons I just mentioned. But the reason why drawing from life is so important is because that's the only way you can have the ability to see your subject in more than one perspective. And that's what I loved about studying sculpture. Now, I didn't pursue sculpture, but I, I took a few sculpture classes. And what was so satisfying about sculpture is that you did have access to your subject from all three different sides. So it wasn't enough to just make a pretty front. If you turned it around and there was nothing in the back, then that, that's not a sculpture. And likewise with drawing, even though you're only drawing one perspective, you want to be able to see it from all sides. Um, so it's very important to study your subject matter from life. And whether you are a you know fine artist, drawer, painter, or whether you do some other kind of art, there is a craft to your art that is important to learn. Um, and in school, this is not really emphasized. School really emphasizes left brain only. So people that are heavily left brain are more rewarded than people that are heavily right brained, um, especially because uh, of the economic realities of many different neighborhoods and school districts, um, they are cutting arts 
by leaps and bounds. And there are even um, some people that believe in cutting art altogether, even at the higher education level, saying that there is no ROI, return on investment, um, which it would be really sad if education was simply limited to um, only <laughs> ROI. Um, but I can understand, you know, given how expensive education is these days, that that is a consideration. So I'm definitely in favor of the democratization of education, which is the trend. I really think that education in terms of spending large sums of money should be limited to things where you actually need to go to school, like engineering or medicine, things like that, where there is no other alternative other than to learn in person. Um, but costs have gotten uh, obviously out of control. Um, and with this focus on left brain thinking, it really has been a detriment to society because right brain thinking is important even for the sciences. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit later, that even left brain um, activities such as science and engineering benefit from right brain thinking. Um, so again, there are left and right brain aspects of every art. So I mentioned writing, same with dance. You have your craft, you have the learning of the steps, you have the learning of the terminology, you have just the physical preparation of your dance. But that obviously is not enough to have a beautiful, successful performance. There has to be something else. There, that is the art of it, the something else, the je ne sais quoi that makes it an art and not just a, a going through the motions. So, and that's what I think was the rise of the phenomenon of the book drawing from the right side of the brain. That became not only a book, but it came kind of a movement where there's workshops and there's actually several books that came out of that workshops. People have borrowed from it in their own work. And um, the, the fine art teachers that I have are not necessarily so keen on the book. You know, there's, and I don't know if that's because of snootiness, which is kind of an aspect of the art world, or if it's something else, but the the contribution that that book really did, aside from um, convincing ordinary people that they can indeed draw, was this idea that drawing is not simply um, is is not simply some sort of gift that you're either born with or it isn't. It is the ability to see. So that's really what drawing teaches you. It teaches you to see, and it teaches you to go beyond what you think you see because oftentimes and when we're children we do this when we draw a sun we have like a symbol of a sun which is a circle with a happy face and some rays pointing out of it a house is a symbol of like some triangles and squares put together but when you really look when you really see something you see it as a as a conglomeration of abstract shapes and when you begin to see what you're looking at as abstract shapes that's when you really begin to see what you're looking at. And even though it runs counter to your um, presuppositions that this is a face or this is a car or this is a whatever it is you're drawing, and you start to see it as a combination of shapes, that's when you can really reproduce it realistically. And it's a, it's a wonderful phenomenon when it finally comes together that you're putting shapes together and tones and shades together and you're not quote unquote drawing a face. 
it's really a breakthrough and that's when you see a real jump in your art and your um, your drawing and your painting um, so and I think the person who I think of as really calling into or really bringing into relief this notion of drawing being a symbol or um, a putting together of abstract shapes is a work by uh, the Belgian surrealist artist Rene Magritte and this was from 1929 and he made this painting called The Treachery of Images and what it is is a it's a large drawing of a pipe with the words written ce n'est pas une pipe this is not a pipe <laughs> and it's meant to be witty but at the base of it is a truth. It's not a pipe. It's paint and it's it's a drawing, it's it's a painting. It's not a pipe. And so it's it's an important thing when we're representing something is to remember that it isn't the thing that we're representing. It is a a symbol. It's shapes, it's abstract. And it's a wonderful thing when you finally get that. That's where art really comes into play. And that's even true with digital. Now I'm learning digital art right now. I definitely am more comfortable with traditional art of drawing and painting, but I'm learning digital art right now. And digital art is definitely an art. Um, it's very different from traditional, but at the same time, it's really the same. Your, your, your objective is the same. And I think that's really the nature behind the NFT craze. Now, I don't know too much about it other than it is the goal of giving digital artists the same benefit that traditional artists have of having their work be uh, something that can be collected, something that can be um, exchanged for money, something that can be viewed as art and something that can be an original. So the idea behind it, I think, is great. Now, I don't. I think it's going to evolve. I think that the world that it inhabits now, this whole new frontier of NFTs and crypto, I think the idea of both of those things will continue. But right now, it's still a wild, wild west, and there's some bad actors involved in some of these things. And so all of that stuff is going to have to shake itself out. Um, but I think the notion of it, the, the reason behind it, um, for crypto creating an alternative to the current monetary system, and in the case of NFTs, giving digital artists the same benefit that traditional artists have, especially as art becomes more and more digital in nature. Even traditional art usually is a mixture of digital and traditional art. So back to Leonardo. So Leonardo really encouraged um, this balance of left and right brain thinking. And he encouraged his students to pursue the, the development of their ideas in a specific way. So he urged his students, and I'm reading from page 169, he urged his students to stare at stones, smoke, embers, clouds and mud and cultivate their ability to see in these mundane forms, quote, the likeness of divine landscapes and an infinity of things, unquote. Such insight, he writes, quote, comes about as it does with the sound of bells in whose clanging you may discover every name and word that you can imagine. So that is Leonardo's very eloquent way of saying that 
when you really study something such as smoke or stones or whatever it is you're focused on, when you really look at it, when you really see it, that's where the ideas come. So it's sort of like the ideas go into the soup of your brain and you let it marinate there and what comes out are new in innovations. And so basically he is credited with the um, origins of the notion of brainstorming, which now we think of as very common and we actually think of it more in the business world, but brainstorming is something that anyone can use and especially artists should be using and what the book uh, recommends in this chapter is the practice of mind mapping. Now, mind mapping isn't something that I've done a whole lot of. Um, I have done some. And so this chapter was a really cool opportunity to kind of reintroduce myself to the practice. So in, on page 169, they talk about it. So mind mapping is a whole brain method for generating and organizing ideas originated by Tony Buzon and largely inspired by Da Vinci's approach to note-taking. So you can use mind mapping for personal goal setting, daily planning, and interpersonal problem solving. So through regular practice, it trains you to be a more balanced thinker, a la Leonardo. So I think that mind mapping has a lot of uses, obviously for note-taking, um, things like that, ideas for projects, um, things like that. And so what you do, the way mind mapping works is that you put whatever it is that you're trying to solve, whether it's a problem, whether it's like, let's say you're having an argument with your spouse. And so this is a, something you want to get a handle on. You can put the problem in the center, circle it. And it's important to just use one word descriptions because when you start using more than one word, you're kind of getting off into left brain land and you're also becoming too detailed. You're nailing it down too soon. So you want to keep it to one, either one word or an image or even something like an inside joke. Like if it's something that maybe is not directly related to the problem, but it's something that you think of when you think of the problem and images work, um, <clears throat> stickers, you can put stickers anything that that is related to the idea. So you put the idea in the center, you circle it, and you draw little lines away from the circle. And anything that is related to that, you would put. So let's say you're having an argument with your spouse. So you say, let's say you're arguing about your children's education. You know, one of you wants private school, one of you wants public school. So you put children in the center. And then you can, you know, put your little line out and children, you, you would write, you know, excellence. So maybe that's something that you want. And that's something that you both probably want. You're just coming up with different ways to go about it. So excellence. Um, and then you maybe from there you would put, um, fine art from there. You would put writing math, you know, whatever it is. So whatever your mind relates to that problem. So you want your children to get a good education and in your mind, you think a good education includes things like fine art, you know, math, writing. And so you feel like a private school would be better. Um, so when you have it very clear, like your reasons behind your opinion on something that can really clarify and it can help your partner. If, if you're if taking the example of, if you're arguing about how to educate your children, having a mind map very clearly helps you, you and 
the person that you're working with see where you're coming from. So it's a really cool way to solve problems, to solve disagreements. Um, what I plan on using it for actually is for New Year's resolutions. Um, I am somebody who I write New Year's resolutions every single year without fail. And I think it's fun. I know some people hate New Year's resolutions and they hate them because they fail. Um, but you don't have to fail at New Year's resolutions. It depends on how you go about it. So what I'm going to do this year is in the spirit of Leonardo da Vinci, I'm going to use mind mapping instead of my normal list. And so I'm going to... Uh, put in the center, you know, either myself or my art career, which is what I'm focused on right now. Um, and then I'm going to, you know, mind map out the images and the words that I associate with that. And the goals that I'm going to be working on this time are less goal oriented, like less achievement based and more process based. So like, for example, instead of saying I'm going to read 12 books this year, which I read way more than 20 books in 2021. So that's really, that's not going to be on my list because that's just going to happen because I'm a reader. But let's just say that my goal was to read 12 books a year. So instead of using that as a goal, my goal would be to read 20 minutes every day. So that way I'm focused on the process. I think if you focus on the process, the goal takes care of itself. And it's less burdensome, it's less stressful. And I think there's um, less room to fail because you're not saying that like, oh, if you didn't read 12 books that year, you failed. If you read 15, if you read 20 minutes a day, for example, and let's say you did miss a day, but you, you start again the next day. So it's, it's, much, it's much less uh, an issue of failure or success. It's more like a process. And I think that's really what success entails in any endeavor. And especially with the arts, the art is not, art is a process and it's an unfoldment and it comes from your personal unfoldment. So I'm going to use mind mapping a la Leonardo to make my new year's resolution. So I'll tell you all how that goes. <laughs> all right. So let's do our self-assessment for Arte Cienza. And let's find out whether you are more left-brained or more right-brained. So the first set of descriptors is um, geared toward our left brain brothers and sisters. So the first says, I like details. Okay, I like details. Next, I am almost always on time. Next, I am skilled at math. <laughs> Next, I rely on logic. Next, I write clearly. Next, friends describe me as very articulate. Okay. Next, analysis is one of my strengths. Hmm. Next, I am organized and disciplined. Next, I like lists. And lastly, I read a book starting at page one and go through in order. All right, so now for our right brain folks. So first quality is, I am highly imaginative. Next, I am good at brainstorming. Next, I often say or do the unexpected, okay? I love to doodle. 
Next, in school, I was better at geometry than algebra. Oh boy. <laughs> Next, I read a book by skipping around. Next, I prefer to look at the big picture and leave the details to someone else. Next, I often lose track of time. And lastly, I rely on intuition. All right, so where did you fall? Are you more left brain? Did you relate more to those left brain sentences? Or did you feel that you fell more into right brain? Or are you like our buddy Leonardo? Are you a balance of the two? Now, I really think I am more left brained, um, but I am highly right brained as well. Um, I, in my career, I worked my day job is as a uh, loan officer, so I'm very left brain during the day. But I think the reason why I don't like it is I am not strictly left brain. I'm definitely more a big picture person than a detail person. Even though I'm very good at picking out details, so I'm very good at my job, but I don't enjoy doing that at all. And so this is the struggle. If you are an artist, but you haven't been able to do it, um, or you, you're not yet full time in your art, so oftentimes you're trying to um, you're trying to be a fish that climbs trees. Okay, so even though these are not your strengths, you're having to develop um, things that maybe they're maybe they're strengths in some in some sense. Because like I said, I am good at noticing details, but it's not something that's um, true to my nature. And my nature, I'm a big picture person. And I'm an images person, not a numbers and, and de fine detail person, but that's my job and I'm good at it. So you can certainly develop inequality, but you're going to be happiest when you're, when you're in your um, field of strength. So that's why you've got to make, you've got to make time for your art every single day. So even if you are working in a day job right now, I just want to encourage you to not get discouraged. To don't settle for that, definitely make time for your art every day. I don't care if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, even if it's just pondering at the end of the day, a project you wanna work on, you gotta give your soul room to breathe every day. And if you are truly an artist, and you're truly an artist, not just because you're doing it full time, like that's not the definition of an artist. You know if you're an artist or not because it's something that won't leave your soul. It's something that keeps coming back to you no matter how discouraged you might get. It's just something you can't let go. So. And being an artist is not something you're born into in the sense of you have to have all the skills at birth or else forget it. It's not that. It, it's really more of, it's a soul thing. It's not a performance thing. If you're an artist in your soul, then you sense that and, you, and you're, you're not at peace unless you're doing something creative. So make sure you make time for something creative. Make sure you give that right brain the exercise that it deserves because our society definitely rewards left brainers but the world needs us right brainers. So like the prayer that I said in the beginning, the world needs us. The world needs people who are courageous enough to dream, courageous enough to hold the space for a better world, to believe that we can be better than we are behaving at the present moment. So use your art to inspire, use your art to encouraged, to motivate. We can do this. So there has to be people that hold that dream. You know, people like Martin Luther King, although he wasn't a, a fine artist, 
he had the spirit of an artist. And so that's the kind of spirit that we have to behold. So somebody that can make a piece of art and, and change hearts just by one watching of the performance or one look at the painting can reduce someone to tears, can change people's minds. You know, that phrase that the pen is mightier than the sword is because of that. Now, our society has tried to beat down artists and say, oh, well, art is not useful. Art doesn't make money. Screw that. First of all, art can make money, but it's not about that. Art is necessary to change the world. So don't let anybody talk you out of your passion. Don't let anybody steal your dream. You're an artist, so be an artist. So that's my rant for this week. Do it. Do it. (laughs) Do not give up on yourself and do not give up on your society. Your art is not just for you. It's for all of us. All right. So that is Arte Sienza for this week. In as a recap, make sure that you balance your left and your right brain. Make sure that you give enough attention to the left brain aspects of your art the craft and the perfection of it, but also the spirit and the beauty of your art. Make sure that both are held in tandem because both are important. Try some mind mapping to solve your problems. And until next time, be, be the artist that you were meant to be. Don't shrink back. Let it all hang out. Be brave. Be courageous. Give time and energy to your art. You won't regret it. Till next time, have a beautiful and productive week. Bye-bye.